Hello, good people of Earth. I'm Greg. I'm Jordan. And this is Roll for Damage. Well, good evening, everyone. This is episode three of Roll for Damage. Uno y uno y uno. Y uno. That is dos y uno. Trece. Well, trece. Good evening, everyone. This is episode three of Roll for Damage. I'm Jordan Gadapi, one half of your hosting crew. And across from me is Greg Hennigan, the other half. Some say better half, some say lesser half. I say other half. This is a podcast about faith, love, and magic. And Greg and I are here to navigate the factual and fantastical events of our lives and yours. Greg, why don't you tell us how this podcast works? Yeah, so if you've been following along, you kind of know how the show works, but in case you don't, here's how it goes. We have an eight-sided die. We have seven topics to talk about. What we're going to do is going to roll the die, and whatever number pops up, we're going to talk about the topic that that number corresponds with. Now, we said there's seven topics, but we're going to roll an eight-sided die, which, if you're counting, that leaves one left. What's going to happen is that if we roll an eight, that's a critical hit, and we get to choose which topic we're going to talk about. So, before we start, Jordan, how's your day going? My day is going pretty well, Greg. Um, I had a lot of meetings at work, but also had a big chunk of time to get some things done. Um, And the best part is uh, my family and I are back in our home after an extended uh, exodus away. Which we can further get into if we roll a specific topic. Yes, if we roll the the one, which you, we've yet to roll. Um, yeah, so how's your day going, Greg? Um, it's going pretty good. I've worked my entire day. Um, I studied this morning. Again, we'll get to that later. I did a lot of macro programming today, which um, is, is, for the most part, pretty dry. Uh, but the exciting part about this podcast is that we have an unofficial sponsor which provides us with beer, and that is very wet. Yes, wet beer. Uh, Greg, what are we going to drink tonight? All right, so tonight we're drinking Devil's Backbone by Real Ale Brewing Company. Real Ale again? That's yes. incredible. It's almost like they want us to keep doing this show. Yes, you are unofficial sponsors. And, okay, so it's the Devil's Backbone. It is a Belgian-styled triple ale. Triple ale. What does that mean? It just means we get triple interesting as we drink them. So, here you go. Thank you. Oh, this is looking good. Um, I have a, um, in case you were listening last time, we had a little bit of trouble with the uh, bottle opener. We have a new one. Ooh. Smells great. Cool. Here's mine. Mm. Cheers. Cheers, Greg. Sorry, I took a sip first That's because right. I'm really thirsty. Oh, I get it. You like it? Yeah. How's it taste for you? Oh, it's great, man. I love a Belgian beer. It reminds me of working in the hill country from a foundation of a time-honored brewing tradition. It's sort of what it reminds me of. Well, you know, I believe in minimal processing and producing maximum flavor, and Real L has that. Yeah, it does. I mean, this is a really full-bodied beer. But not too heavy. I feel like I could have plenty of these. And uh, you can't really see it, but it's got a pale golden color. 
with a, a pretty distinct aroma. I, I mentioned that, um, and uh, in case you didn't know, it's named for the winding stretch of a hill country highway. Well, but there is a warning that has to go with it because women should not drink this um, if they're pregnant. Which is why I'm not pregnant. Congratulations. Okay, so let's get into this. Um, wait, wait, wait. I want to know. If oh. you roll a critical hit, what is it going to be? What are you going to pick? Okay, so we have rolled every topic except for one. And we have not rolled a double of a topic. Uh-huh. I mean, since we haven't done the same topic twice. And right. so, I don't know. I want to do re-review. Number four, re-review. I think we have some good stuff for that. Yeah, um, I would pick one. I think the commute, which I'll go ahead and name, but won't tell you exactly what it's about, simply because we haven't done it yet. We haven't done it yet. Cool. Okay. So is it your roll or is it? No. No, no. I roll first last time. It's your turn to roll first. Cool. Here we go. Eight-sided die, which is purple, by the way. Mine is purple. Yeah. In the cup. Here we go. That's pretty awesome. Which is what? Potato, tomato. Potato, tomato. Would you like to explain this or should I? Yes. So potato, tomato is where Greg and I highlight and discuss a strange and incongruous juxtaposition of debate. In other words, we're going to talk a little bit about politics. And I kind of of have a little uh, peek into what what Greg's going to talk about tonight. I think it's pretty funny. Greg? Yeah, so we're trying to figure out why conversations don't match up or when people say something in public, what they're actually trying to say. And so this one's kind of interesting. It, it's, um, you know, it's from Texas. And Yeehaw. so it, um, okay, so this guy named Sid Miller mm-hmm. is Texas's newly elected agricultural commissioner, and he's proposing a reversal on a ban of certain food restrictions in Texas public schools. About 10 years ago, a ban was placed on deep fryers as obesity and health concerns arose for school kids. Now, in the name of personal liberty and personal freedom, Mr. Mr. Miller wants to retract the ban as well as more or less encourage competitive food sales. Competitive food sales being like vending machines, concession stands in schools and stuff. He even went so far as to hold a press conference entitled Cupcake Amnesty. (laughs) <laughs> where while eating a cupcake announced his proposal to give freedom back to the school districts rather than to allow Washington, D.C. to regulate what food schools serve. It's pretty damn glorious. I've seen the, the, the video and the pictures. It's not about cupcakes. It's not about cupcakes. It's this massive dude in a big 10-gallon bucket of a hat eating a <laughs> cupcake talking about freedom. <laughs> I mean, this guy's rhetoric is the epitome of Tea Party pandering, right? Spouting freedom, liberty, constitution, and cursing big government. And this sort of talk got him elected recently. He's, he's newly elected. In fact, in his acceptance speech, he said that, I believe in pro-life, pro-God, pro-gun, pro-family, pro-military, pro-business, pro-constitution, and anti-Obama. Like, that that was his acceptance <laughs> speech. Okay, so the real question did is... You, did you vote for him? Sid Miller? I didn't even know he was running. Yeah, I didn't know that sort of thing got voted on. I just assumed a governor appointed somebody in that role. I guess so. It's like the, the assistant governor. What's it called? The lieutenant governor. Lieutenant governor. There we go. I want to be an admiral governor one day. That's very admirable ideas of you. Um, okay, so let me ask the most obvious question first. Mr. Miller obviously thinks that cupcakes have been wrongfully accused and feels the need to enforce their innocence, but there's something else going on. 
Is this guy's true intention to redefine the ideas of marriage equality to include unions to yummy, glutinous, sugary, inanimate goodness, possibly with sprinkles? Go. Go. Um, I think you actually asked the wrong question. The first question I have is, (laughs) who on earth has ever deep fried a cupcake? And why have I not met you? Because oh, I want that. Like right now, with this beer from the Real Oil Brewing Company, would taste incredible. Um, so yes, this is a I don't. This is just a farce, right? Like you, you know. Last time we did potato tomato, it was pretty serious. You know, we um, uh, we talked, you know, loosely about a, a abortion, but this time it is really just uh, like the epitome of what we're after it, you know on one hand there's schools and kids and children and um and 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 sort of these other people who aren't actually getting to decide this matter and involved in it right and on the other hand i sort of get where he's coming from right he's exacerbating a pretty simple situation which is just to say if you want deep fryers in your school Vote them in. If you don't, don't. But instead, it turns into this, like, hate speech almost and this, you know, really, I don't know, insane stuff. So to answer your question, which I don't really remember, um, yes, I do think he is (laughs) on. Yes. (coughs) Yes. Unions. Yes. Um, I do think he is on the side of cupcakes. You know, cupcakes in the last, I don't know, decade have seen a real rise in popularity, but that popularity is waning and it's waning um, because there haven't been enough people like Miller for 2016. Maybe that's I might it. add fighting for them. Right. Isn't there like a food truck, my cupcake or happy yes. cupcake. And or nothing like that. screams of diversity more than sprinkles. And so I think that's really what he's after there. So yes, um, I think he's really about the, the the wrong accusal of cupcakes. That's where he is. <laughs> well, thanks for taking it down that path. Um, y- yeah, the, they, they've been, uh, you know, haven't been paid attention to lately. They are making yeah, the rise. I can't think but of the last time I ate a cupcake. A deep fried cupcake. I've never done that. Yeah. Oh, God. But, but listen, someone is obviously interested in the personal freedom aspect. I mean, doesn't that argument go way out of proportion when he's like arguing that for public schools. I mean, personal freedom is one thing where you as an individual can, you know, guard your house like you see fit. Or fry my own cupcake. Or fry your own damn cupcakes or whatever it is. They have the way in America, we have the freedom to do something as long as it's lawful and it doesn't hurt anybody, ourselves, others, um, which ourselves is kind of a whole nother conversation. But, but, like that—that that obviously resonates with somebody. Or do you think he was just totally off base? Are we are we having a a real conversation? Or is this guy just an idiot? I don't know. I think he's 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 um, somewhere on the spectrum of total fool to like mad genius, right? Like um, if you've never been to Texas or haven't lived here for any period of time, you would know that it, you wouldn't know that it's an incredibly diverse state. But it's also a really proud state that has pockets of people who love being in Texas and who are very serious about politics, about their faith. You know, they're no different than normal people, except for um, 
Texas is really proud of being Texan, right? More so, right? Most people would I've tell seen you more Texas flags than I've ever seen anywhere else that I've ever lived. Statistically speaking, that's correct. Uh, there are more Texas flags uh, made uh, in the world than there are any other state flags. Number two is California, to sort of put it in some perspective. So I think this guy kind of knows the base. I think maybe some of this is a little bit tongue in cheek, just to sort of say, hey, like. It's not a big deal, right? You totally have the authority to not have these in your schools. It is your decision. Some of it is because I think he's in the pocket of big cupcake pharmaceuticals, right? Uh, I suspect that in the next few years, Sprinkles will have a whole nother definition, right? As the way the the world of pharmaceuticals keeps going. Well, I I like Sprinkles. They grow on me. Like they're they're sugar crystals and I like crystals. Yeah. (laughs) All sorts of crystals. Um, but, but, you know, so here, here, here's the interesting part about all this. So Michelle Obama has put this let's move initiative into place, kind of regulating the calorie intake or caloric intake, excuse me, you know, about what kids, if they eat public school lunches, can digest at a time. If you bring your own lunch, right, that's where the personal freedom comes in. But if you're going to adhere to the, the school, well, there, there's certain rules that have been put into place. A couple things about this is that the person who actually put this ban on deep fryers was Sid Miller's predecessor, a Republican who, I don't know where I was going with that, but it wasn't big government that he's, I think he's trying to oppose that put this ban in place. Furthermore, if you want to get it kind of where the big government stands on this, is that there are regulations. There's the Department of uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture, the USDA, puts out guidelines every five or so years, kind of outlining what are our health standards and sure. uh, whatnot, which is which is reasonable, right? We we live in a free market society with regulations. Yeah, yeah. I, but but well, what I was saying is that you know schools get they're they're incentivized to have these kind of guidelines. They get they get money from the federal government if they're if they meet the standards. Yeah, so um, that makes sense, right? I mean, I. There's there's an obesity problem in the United States. If you were to argue otherwise, you would probably just sound like an idiot. And so to, to take measures um, against that at a really high level, I don't take any personal interest with, as I, a personal conflict with, um, especially when I, this is so local, like, you know, that everyone lifting the ban or having the ban doesn't regulate how the schools actually work, right? The, that it's voted on at a very local community level. So it doesn't matter what he does um, uh, in terms of, well, lifting the ban would allow people then to have them, right? Ban means none, doesn't matter what you say. But, um, you know, it, it, it is, it's, it's very funny, right? It's very funny that he is taking this super local matter and spinning it, right? He's like potato, local matter, tomato, big government. Again, that's why I sort of made that joke about him running for president. It sounds like he's talking against an entire party, an entire organization, yeah. an entire you yeah. know, way of thinking um, in very broad blanket oriented strokes yeah it's i don't know just, if he's trying to make a name for himself but that's exactly what it is he's yeah. not saying hey I'm, I'm 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 trying to figure out what the best thing for individual schools is he's obviously being a politician 
mm-hmm. and say, I, I agree with you completely. He, he's kind of saying something against the, the, the larger idea of things instead of trying to fix the individual problem. So I have a couple of questions for you. Okay. Uh, would you invite him on the show? Uh, if he brought deep fried cupcakes, possibly. <laughs> um, okay. So my next question is if he's on the show, uh, and you had to ask him a question, what would it be? I would say, what are we doing to protect our major, uh, agricultural product? Which by the way, do you know what that is? Probably not cow. Um, I would say beef. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you are incorrect and correct at the same time. Yes. That, well, that's because, you know, as a vegetarian, I, it's funny to me that no one says, I eat cow. They all give it a different name all of a sudden when they talk about it being cooked. Yeah. So uh, It is. It's beef. Yeah. Beef, it's what's not at my dinner. Well, like as soon as you cut a fish up, it's sushi. Yeah. Or sashimi. Sashimi. Yeah. No, it's, I just call it catfish. I ate a catfish. I cut a catfish. Oh, really? Yeah. I catch a little brim and I'm like, sashimi. Sashimi. How Eastern of you. Well, it's my cultural diversity. <laughs> I grew up in Louisiana. My wife grew up in Louisiana. We call it sashimi. Sashimi. How's, um, your, how's your beer going, by the way? It's going good. I, um, I'm down by half, which means I've drank half, which means I have half to go. Just so you know, you should drink this before December 2nd, 2015. I don't know if that means all devil's backbone. If so, I have a quest for us. We shall, I shall partake and enjoy and go forth. Yes. Okay, well, d- does this need to be discussed anymore? Have, have we, I mean, this, I it's, it's kind of serious and kind of not at the same time. And- yeah, I mean, personal freedom is important to me. Um, uh, it's one of the things that I like about Texas, specifically the Austin area, right? I think Austin in general does that really well. It doesn't really matter who you are, what your political views are. The only thing that really matters in Austin is whether or not you like breakfast tacos, and everyone does. So um, that just sort of sets the playing field pretty even. And it doesn't matter if you're Republican or a Democrat or gay or not, or you have a job or you don't, or you're a musician or you can't sing. Like, none of that matters. It, only thing that matters is in Austin is, are you happy? Are you living the life the way you want to live it? Cool, man. Let's go get a breakfast taco and a Mexican martini. Yeah, I think that's good in Travis County, but what sucks is that once you get into Williamson County, all those rules are gone, and what you think is Austin, oh no, that is not true. <laughs> all of a sudden, things change, and um, we can talk about that a different time. Yeah, that's that's a little bit of flop. Greg and I are firmly planted in NOCO, that is north of Congress, a.k.a. Williamson County, and we're fighting the good fight, folks, for you, for our Yo. listeners. Yeah. But you know what? Let's end this. I'm going to pass you the die and the cup. Actually... I have my own die. You have your own die. I'm going to just give you the cup. Thanks. Do it. A number five, Greg. Number five. Oh, man. This is just like episode one because number five is what? Drunk Faith. Drunk Faith. You want to tell us about Drunk Faith? Yeah, I can try. I don't have a page in front of me right now, but Drunk Faith is where... We talk about things that are above and beyond all of us, and yet very personal, which is our faith. It's yeah. what we believe. It's what we adhere to. All that with the prefix of the, the, uh, the, the, the label that we've labeled it, 
is drunk faith, drunk faith which yeah. means we take a shot. And tonight just happens to be we're going to take a shot of... It's, a, it's really special because, you know, the first time we did Drunk Faith, it was sort of sort of surprise in episode one. Um, it was the one that I think Greg really wanted to talk about. And at the time, we hadn't um, uh, acquired an unofficial sponsor for Drunk Faith. We only just had whatever was around, and I think it was some kind of uh, bourbon or something that Greg had. But tonight we have Z Tequila, another unofficial sponsor. Z Bam. Tequila is a tequila made here in Texas. And um, we're drinking the Reposado version, which is the yellow one, not the Blanco one that you um, uh, might be thinking of. And uh, yeah, it, on top of our beer. Oh man, a triple L and now Drunk Faith. Yeah. Here we go. Let's talk about some serious things. By the way, if you ever want a shot, you should have Greg pour it because, man, this is three fingers of tequila <laughs> I'm about to destroy. Well, I didn't have a shot glass. These are just glasses. Anyway. <laughs> this is like a pitcher of tequila. Well, um, you want to pour some back? No way. I want to pour it back my throat. Wow. Nice. I knew you were going to say that. Cheers, Greg. Cheers. To faith. To faith. Love and magic. Wow. That is so smooth. Oh, and that one just got just knocked back. It actually is pretty smooth. As a side note, I love making uh, Mexican martinis. Yes, I love making love out of nothing at all. Um, I like making Mexican martinis with Z tequila and all margaritas. So, um, <clears throat> well, tonight's topic is sort of interesting. Um, I recently heard a lecture, a teaching, a sermon, whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter to me about war, specifically about Christians. Um, and if you're not a Christian or you've never heard anything about the Christian faith, that's fine. You don't really need to know anything about it going into it, except for that there was this guy named Jesus. And there's some debate as to whether or not Jesus was or was not a pacifist. And so the title of this teaching was, Should Christians Go to War?, and so when I originally was prepping for this topic, I thought that I would talk about fasting. I thought I would talk about sort of a blanket faith practice, right? Lots of faith, uh, faith practice fasting for one reason or another. Um, however, I sort of made a kind of last minute decision to bring up a topic uh, based on this sort of lecture that I listened to. About the war um, and Christians. And yes, I, I, will get okay. to, um, I will get to fasting soon enough. There's a really beautiful poem written by David Ray. Which Just as long as you do it quickly. Make me think about that. So, Sorry. Um, yeah. Like I said, the sermon is titled, Should Christians Go to War? And I typically don't like questions like this. They make me uncomfortable, and they seem to compartmentalize people in unnecessary ways. Furthermore, these kinds of questions make it sound as if there is really only one answer. I personally think that there is not. Um, I have some questions for you about that, Greg, that you can be thinking about. Um, and that is, I want to know how it makes you feel or what you think about when you hear like really divisive questions about that. But um, the guy delivering the lecture uh, was a guy named Rich Nathan. And he was a pastor of a vineyard in Ohio, a vineyard church, I should say. That's a, a denomination or a movement, they might call themselves. And um, the talk was actually surprisingly balanced. It was less about war and more about understanding pacifism in the role of faith in general and how that may or may not relate to war. Mr. Nathan ultimately concludes that war is a terrible, 
horrible, horrible events and that Christians um, must sometimes participate in. However, he makes some critical points along the way. First, he says Christians should be the hardest to convince and the last in line to go to war. Um, It should be something that we don't consider to be a first step. Um, There's a difference between the ideas of just war and revenge, right? Revenge is retaliation. It is tit for tat, eye for an eye. Just war is... um, the rape culture in the United States. It is the uh, sex trafficking. It is um, a nation that cannot defend itself against a much larger nation. Um, the third point he makes is that by not going to war, we put the responsibility, as Christians, he would say, of killing and the danger of being killed in other people's hands, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, the fourth point, defending the defenseless is paramount always, he says. And then finally, all lives matter to God, even those that we may consider to be enemies. So um, what was kind of interesting as I was reading about this and listening to that is I came across some, uh, some of George Orwell's reflections on Gandhi. Not many people know this, but George Orwell was actually a journalist, He's considered like writing novels to be a sort of hobby. Right. His it, most famous 1984. He's at Winston Smith. You know, yes. Big Brother stuff like that. And so um, uh, George Orwell wrote: "It is difficult to see how Gandhi's methods could be applied in a country where opponents of the regime disappear in the middle of the night and are never heard of again. Without free press and the right of assembly, it is impossible not merely to appeal to outside opinion, but." to bring mass movement into being or make your intentions known to your adversary. So basically what George Orwell was saying, watching Gandhi starve himself, was that this only works in certain situations. Um, and I found that to be kind of comforting, right, to, in some ways, to know that um, there are situations. There are situations for and are situations maybe for against. And... Um, yeah, all in all, I found it to be a, a pretty interesting and pretty centered, I might say, you know, sort of talk, right? It, when when most of my history of hearing about things like this are so polarizing. So back to the questions, Greg. I'm curious how you feel about those really direct questions. Should um, Christians drink? Should, you know, Muslim women show their hair? Should Christians go to war? Should yeah, wow, okay, so whatever. Those, yeah, th- those are those are really wow. There, there's a lot to say about this, and so what? My first, my well, I have two thoughts about kind of the initial nature of the question, and just to be fair, I have not heard the the, the sermon slash teaching that that you were talking about. So th- these are just my opinions without. Um, you know, with, without hearing that. But so the two things come to my mind is the question of um, should Christians do X? Um, the second the second question or the, the idea that comes to my mind are, are the different wars that we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let me address the first one first and the second second. Um, that so is the idea excellent of. Excellent order. Well, it just makes sense. Otherwise, I would get them backwards. Yeah. Uh, I'm feeling that shot. Wow. And so, should Christians do something? Um, the Bible, which kind you know, is the Word of God that gives Christians a foundation to live by, has many books. It's long, and it's got many complex parts to it. Some of it is a rule book, right? You see a lot in the Old Testament saying, 
you should or you should not do this. Mm-hmm. If you take the whole of the Bible, that that is just a small section. If you say the Bible is a rule book, that's incomplete. That's just not how it is. Um, the Bible is a history book. The Bible is a story about the future. There's prophecies. There's poems. There's the history of Israel. There, there's all this stuff in it. So to, to, to say should Christians do something, you have to kind of contextualize everything that's going on. And so I don't like the idea of should Christians do something because you're only referring to the kind of the law section of the Bible. Um, all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, um, there is a relationship quality from God to man. If you look in the Old Testament, God and women. says, and, and, oh, I'm sorry, man being as a whole, yes, women. Um, but God is a covenant God, which means, you know, I do this and you do this and we're going to agree together. Jesus, being the son of God, according to the Bible, right, um, does not deviate from that. He's saying we form a relationship, a personal relationship. A lot of Christian pastors like to say, have a personal relationship with Jesus. This idea of should you or should you not do something, I think is against the point of who God really is. I think the what you should be doing is following God and listening to your conscience, which he, in a sense, kind of, for lack of a better word, has infected. Mm-hmm. And so whatever your conscience tells you in that moment is, I think, as long as you are following God, the thing that you should be doing at that moment. I think people have clear conscience when it comes to stuff like drinking. Other people say, no, that, that's a problem for me. I'm not going to do it. I've had wh- whatever. It could be problems in the past or just I feel a conviction not to do it. Sure. But I don't think it's fair to say Christians should not drink, right? That's absolutism, legalism. But we are it, totally against that. We, we, we are against <laughs> in the midst not of drunk drinking. faith. Yeah. Um, and, and so not, I, not, I, think, totally. I think the question is formed wrong in whether Christians should or should not do something. How would you form the question? Is it right in this instance to go to war? What do you, I mean, what, what does your conviction tell you? And so, so... Are you asking me? Well, well let, let me get to my, the, it, it ties into the second point because t- to kind of contradict what I said, I think there are things that all Christians should agree upon. There's certain things that are very, very black and white. There's some things that are not. Um, really? I'm not, I'm not going to get into all those right now. Why but, not? Come on! We don't well, have to roll three times Okay, tonight. well, when, when Jesus said... Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. All the commandments are summarized in these two. And so I'm taking that to mean we should probably do that. So as long as we have that in place, everything kind of falls into place in itself. Okay, so my second point was the question of different kinds of wars. Interestingly enough, every, every other sequential war has been a good war and a bad war. What I mean by that is this war that George Bush started, you know, the going into, where do we go? Afghanistan, places like that. Um, Iraq. Iraq, that's it. Um, no, no. It's, so it was, it was on a misconception of the Taliban and 9-11 happening. Obviously just a, you know, just, just a mess. Bring back one war before that where we are fighting, um, you know, Saddam Hussein and Iraq's invasion of Kuwait. Right. Very justifiable war. You, you realize... 
that a larger country is taking over a smaller country, you've got to help your fellow brother. Yeah. Essentially. It's not okay to, to take over land in that way. Right. The war before that, the last... The world major, has agreed that that's not okay. Like, sure. You, know, you don't take over someone's land by invading them. Right. Right. The war before that, or two wars, you have the Korean War, but you have, like, Vietnam. A mess of a war. The war before that, World War II. Very justifiable. You have this mass murder killing hundreds of thousands of people. Not okay. We're going to step in and do that. The war before that, we'll just call it World War One, in case there wasn't one before that. Um, <laughs> kind, kind of, kind of messy with the Axis and the Allies. It, you know, all these people that you know. It, it, the war started based on an assassination, not a real strong threat. It was, you know, read your history books, kids. Because um, Gray hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've been drinking. And anyway, so there, there are justifiable wars, and there are non-justifiable wars. And so, should Christians go to war? My short answer is in some instances, yes. Yes, they should. Now, it should be a last resort. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. But there are wars that your conscience should clearly tell you, no, I'm not going to be part of this. There's other wars that you should say, yes, I'm standing up because this, I'm on the side of justice. And we have to do this. And so, you know, I I remember... I don't know if I read this or saw this. Maybe it was on a motivational poster. Uh, but, but, you know, it, it was said that, you know, the, your, your, your last course of action should be violence. So that should never be your first, in, you know, first reaction. But if it is the last, you have to be prepared to go. So should we be first in line? No. Should we always be on the side of war? No. Should we always be against war? No. But our conscience, through God, should allow us to choose what justice is, and react accordingly. So, <clears throat> I I don't have any qualms with what what you're you've said so far. I think it's really interesting. Part of me wants to play devil's advocate. Um, devil's backbone. Yeah, part of me wants to play devil's backbone um, all night long, but I can't. I just don't have the stamina. Second, you gotta practice. <laughs> yes, practice. Um, the second point, and actually the only point I really want to make, is the idea of pacifism and what does that actually mean? And uh, you know, for me, um, I've it's it's a question that I've I've sort of I've struggled with, and it has a literal answer, obviously. Um, um, but what does it what does it mean to want to be a pacifist? And Basically, what it comes down to is, is if you if you claim to be one of those, and and in the traditional sense, it means that you are a maker of peace, that you make peace in all situations, not just that you avoid war. Right? The sort of twenty first century connotations would lead us to believe that the war, the word pacifist, means someone against war but that's not actually what it means and so when you when you start to wrap some of that language around this conversation and say i am a pacifist but it doesn't mean that i think one way or another it means that my end goal is peace that is tantamount to all things, right? Sure. That I want there to be peace in my life. I want there to be peace in my neighbor's life. I want there to be peace in Africa and India and New York. 
mostly California as a Texan and someone who lived in California. As long as they don't come into Austin anymore. No. What are, what are you talking about? I came from California. Peace in California. Not originally. Peace in the Middle East. Peace in Russia. God, like we need that, right? Sure. Um, but what does it mean to get there? I think is the, the question. Um, and I think the question is, is, is interesting, right? Insofar as it says... If I align myself as a Christian, then I fall under this banner. And for me, the the question, that question, should Christians do X or Y, is totally wrong. You're right. Should anyone do X or Y is totally wrong. Christian or not. The question is, should I do X or Y? Yeah, I, what, I think, yeah. What is it relevant to me? And and there's two ways of answering that. In the Christian context, what might I do in the context of being a believer in God, in Jesus? And then the second thing is, what might I do as a non-believer, right? As someone who has values with peace, um, who, who aligns themselves with this idea of non-violence. Um, what might I do as someone who grew up with an alcoholic father I didn't I'm just hypothetically speaking someone who grew up with a hypothet- uh, hypothetically alcoholic father should I or should I not drink have, have I seen the damages have I seen the repercussions yeah and and I think when we start to frame questions in a way that is reflective of ourselves as opposed to sweeping everyone into these like idealized people groups, um, things get a lot more interesting, a lot more honest, a lot more transparent. All of those things that I think are really important, as opposed to saying, I am a Republican, I am an Independent, I am a Democrat, therefore I must always answer one way or the other. That's, that just, it seems like, you know, society, Western society, U.S. society, specifically as educated as we are, should be past that point by now, right? We should be past the point where Basically, we're like shrugging off the shackles of being a part of one organization or another and instead yes. just yeah. saying, yeah, I agree. I am who I am and this is what I'm going to do. Because things that. are infinitely more complex, right? We cannot, and it does us a disservice to give a simplistic answer. So on one hand, do you want another one? Do you want another Beer two. Yes. Here. Do you still have the bottle open? No, you do. Oh. Whisper, whisper, whisper. I'm going to do it right in this time so it sounds good. Do it. Okay. That sounds more interesting than what I'm about to say. So, um, You know, so on one hand, it, it is a complex matter. I have a beer. Matter. On the other hand, it is empty. <laughs> we, I can't give you another shot. Unless we roll Drunk Faith again, which means we have to roll again. Um, <laughs> what was I, I, I going to say? Something completely You were talking about your hands. You know, on, on one hand, we do have to take an individual approach. But there's a larger framework of, I'm, I'm saying truth with a capital T, based on what the Bible teaches. You have to do both. So if you do one without the other, that just goes against the holistic picture. But if you're taking an individual stance, and you're taking an overarching stance, that's where you want to be. Somewhere, there's some tension in between that yeah. you have to live with. You can't just say personal freedom, whatever I want to do all the time, um, you know, wh- whatever I feel at the time. Although that's not necessarily wrong, it has to be added to what is the larger truth at hand. Yeah. I just thought of a much more relevant 
an eloquent question on the matter. Eloquence is always appropriate in this situation. Should deep fried cupcakes go to war? Deep fried cupcakes can go to hell. I will go to Texas. Davy Crockett, I'll drink to that. Bam. So chances are we have rolled our very our longest topics. That was that was pretty intense. Yeah. Um, so if we if we roll one, another one, we can we can probably get through it pretty fast. Here is discup. Discup. Okay, here we go. Again. I tell you what, we've rolled a two. A two? We can't possibly have rolled potato tomato again. So the way the <laughs> protocol works, because we're oh, short no. on time, let me run through this really quick. First, Greg must find a virgin bat and over Congress Street Bridge well, I, in I Austin and sacrifice Street. it to a virgin turtle. He then must roll a 20-sided die. If he rolls an odd number, he must roll the 20-sided die until he rolls an even number. Once he rolls an even number... I'm going to go get a bat. I'll be right back. Okay. Once he rolls an... (laughs) Once he rolls an even number, he must wait at least six hours before rolling again. If he rolls an even number two times in a row, he will be allowed to roll his dice again. In summary, you should roll... Again. Give me six hours, I'll be right back. All right, kids, we're back. So here we go. Wait, wait. Ladies, gentle listeners, uh, people from other planets spying on us, you should know that Greg has a cup in his hand. He also has a die in his other hand. On the other hand. And somehow he was... <laughs> It's a pretty trying. large cup, he, he missed the cup. The cup is, is a huge mouth. And he was trying to put the dice in the cup and missed the whole thing. He just missed it. And it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder, should we roll again? Nay. Should we ever record again? I don't know. Really? You're questioning that? I am. Why? It's like the best part. Okay, roll again. Okay, we're going to do it, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, maybe it'll be a quick one. Like, re-review. A four! Re-review! We've rolled a seven, which is perfect! Seven is... The people's choice! Okay, and this is where our fans, you, can write in and ask us questions. You guys have asked us a lot of questions. Um, The first question... Why has it been so long since you recorded? Greg, if you don't mind, I'll answer that quickly. Yeah, go for it's it. It's because it's been raining cats and dogs and rain here for the last few weeks. And so uh, Greg's house has been partially underwater. Um, and oh, I have been, been out of town. And it has been impossible. I think Greg was out of power for even for like 36 hours. And so we have been dealing with the, the floods of Texas. The second question is... Where does the name come from? That seems strange. Only about half of you asked it. The other half of you are informed, intelligent human beings who play role-playing games like all good human beings should do. As Greg reaches for another beer, um, and he also shows me his finger, but he's really just pointing at the um, beer opener, I will tell you a little bit about where the name comes from, and I have a question for Greg. First, 
Roll for damage is a sort of a role-playing term when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons or World of Warcraft or any other game, Final Fantasy, Mario, in which you are taking damage from an enemy player and you don't die instantly, meaning headshot, right? What you would do, and what's happening even programmatically, is that a die is being cast, right? A, a die is being rolled, and that die determines how much damage your character takes. Sometimes the formula is really complex, right? And it, in, it takes into account your armor, your ability to dodge, your ability to block, your ability to whatever, right? Fly. And other, your ability to fly, right? That's a really important one that most people forget. Um <laughs> Sometimes it's really simple, right? Do you take damage? Yes or no? Yes, take damage. I do. And so, and do you take damage? I take damage, but as infrequently as possible. So, my question for you, Greg, is that this is an obvious metaphor for life. Do you find it a relevant metaphor? Oh, wow, that's really interesting. Uh, so, so like do, do I? Do I accept damage? Is that what you're saying? Do, do, I, do I take chances to accept what ails me? Yes. Uh, yeah, sometimes I screw up. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes I do it on purpose. And I suck sometimes. And yeah, I guess I do. Yeah. Uh, but, but I don't want to go there It's dream to being human. Yeah, there we go. I have no idea how much we've drunk. Yeah, well, we've took a rather large shot. Possibly double. <laughs> Two shots in one. Well, you know, so a lot of this stems from um, I was in the Northeast. Jordan was in, uh, what, the West Coast. And so... West Coast. Whatever. Dude. West Coast, best New coast. New York. Uh, what? You better auto-tune that, T-Pain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we were spread apart. Spread wide. And but we, could, we, still, we literally we could not have been further apart to, in this continent, except for Alaska and Hawaii. We still found ways to communicate through uh, games, like online games, World of Warcraft. And so, you know, we we would I would be in Connecticut, Jordan would be in California, and uh, all of a sudden we'd be in Dernmoro, having and, a shared experience, a literal shared experience, right? And then virtual, all of a sudden, though, literal we said, and virtual. Let's go to Loch Modan. Or maybe the Arathia Highlands. Let's go to Duskwoods. Tarn Mill hoards up. That's that's what I'm saying. Go to Stranglehorn Vale and get your damn mount. Yeah, get it. Get it. Because that's where you get level 40. We are totally nerding out. No way, dude. You go to Fairless, Plagueland, Scythalus, Searing Gorge, Black Rock Mountain. That's the greatest song I ever heard. (laughs) Outland, Northrend, and beyond. And beyond, just like this podcast. So we are beyond time. Greg, I think, if I recall, you may, as you flip through your papers, have some final words to share with me, with our audience, with the ladies and gentlemen listening to our wonderful and luxurious podcast. Yes. Greg, conclude us. Well, and so... Today's kind of a significant day. An act, a famous actor has died, Christopher Lee. And so you may remember him from... You shall not pass! It <laughs> 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 completely changes direction. He's been in hundreds of movies, of which I have not seen. 
I've seen Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, but you know he was he was ninety three years old, which means Lord of be- the ble- Stars. Believe believe this or not, when he started acting, Taylor Swift had not been born. <clears throat> Interjection: That fact is in in fact correct. I just checked it that quickly. Second point. He has been on in more sword fights on celluloid than any other actor in the history of film. Great actor, great voice. You could recognize him anywhere. Um, and so I'm going to close with a um, his rendition of Stravinsky's A Soldier's Tale, which if you look up, you can find. So, What if I don't find it? Uh, you probably can't. We should drink a lot more. Proceed. We should all drink a lot more. Unless you feel like Christian shouldn't. (laughs) I'll drink to that. There we go. They're on their way. They're nearly there. A scent, he knows, hangs in the air. He has gone on ahead to find the frontier. She is a little way behind. He calls her. He turns back. Then changes his mind. The devil greets him at the frontier post. The soldier has had his day. For the devil holds the violin. And he begins to play.